before this midweek Advent service is found recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning at the 39th verse. In those days, Mary got up and hurried to the hill country, to a town of Judah. She entered the home of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Just as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She called out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In fact, just now, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed, because the promises spoken to her from the Lord will be fulfilled. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 3, beginning at the 17th verse. These are the words of St. Peter. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, just like your leaders. But in this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer. Therefore, repent and return to have your sins wiped out, so that refreshing times may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you. He must receive heaven until the times when everything will be restored, as God spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet from your brothers, who is like me. Listen to everything he tells you. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, once again, I open with the words, Merry Christmas. In fact, I heard them spoken to me, to me last night when two young guys dropped off a mattress and box spring at the parsonage. And no, it was not for my bed. It, uh, anyway, he, uh, the young man, as he left, said, Merry Christmas. And before I could say anything, he replied right away, um, or Happy Holidays. And so I guess he was covering all the bases. And I smiled at him and, and I said, yes, it is Merry Christmas. And I don't say that because I'm trying to stick it to anyone or trying to be radical in any way. But the truth of the matter is, knowing that Jesus is the reason for the season, it is a Merry Christmas. And not only is the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season, but Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Both words mean anointed one, and in order to be our Savior, he had to carry out the work of prophet, priest, and king. And this evening we have the privilege of hearing the very words of Peter, even as he quotes from the Old Testament, from the words of Moses in Deuteronomy, that the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, is the one who is the prophet foretold of old. 
Now, a prophet is simply a mouthpiece, mouth, the Lord's mouthpiece. And a prophet simply preaches God's word to God's people. A lot of times when we think of a prophet, we think of the word prophecy. And many believe that the word prophecy literally means to foretell. Because it seems like they are, they're always telling the future. But really the word prophecy means more than that. Think of it more as not foretell, but forth tell. F-O-R-T-H tell. So they simply would tell what God told them to tell and not add, subtract, or change God's word. If it was the future, then it was. If it was a warning, if it was a gospel message, that's what they proclaimed. But I can honestly, as I stand before you, make it real clear that when you consider all the messages of the prophets, if you lumped them all together into one basket, you would pull out one word. And that one message that was spoken over and over again was the same message that John the Baptist spoke again and again, that Jesus himself spoke again and again. And now Peter is speaking that very word, and it is the word repent. It really, that one word, just preaches both law and gospel. Because the word literally means to change one's mind. And so certainly that happens when we recognize our sins, confess our sins, and have sorrow over sins, admitting we are sinful human beings who can't save ourselves. Even Peter used the law when he was speaking to a large crowd of people. And this was at a time after Jesus ascended into heaven. Peter and the apostle John were preaching and teaching, heading into the temple area, and here was a cripple at one of the gates, the gate was called Beautiful. And as they approached, the crippled man cried out for help. And Peter made clear that he did not have gold or silver to give, but what he had, he would give to the man. And he went on to say that in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the man immediately got up and walked. Well, that caused a great commotion because people are seeing this man who was a cripple, maybe have been there for a long time, walking and jumping and all around Peter and John. Well, that drew in a crowd and a large crowd. Peter had to remind the crowd that this man walks not because of anything they did. They, he, he is walking because of Jesus Christ, who is their Savior too. In fact, he applies the law to these people, letting them know that what you did to Jesus was sinful. You killed the author of life. You put to death God himself, who took on human flesh to be our substitute and to come to this earth. In fact, he describes it here as, you acted in ignorance. But that was not meant to be an excuse. For he didn't say you acted in innocence. Yes, you acted in, in, in ignorance. You are guilty for what you have done. And when the law shows us our sins, it brings us to our knees. Yes, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But then comes the gospel. And Peter brought it up in such a beautiful way. 
You acted in ignorance, but what God did was not in ignorance. God took the evil, wicked act that you all, that every one of them did, and God turned it into a sacrifice for sins. In fact, the prophets of old even proclaimed this, that the Christ that was to come would suffer. Now, that's not the Christ people were looking for. People were looking for a Christ who would be a bread king. They were looking for a Christ that would defeat Roman tyranny. They were looking for a Christ that, that would establish a world power and Israel could be in full glory again, perhaps back in the day of David and Solomon. But the Christ didn't come to establish a heaven here on earth. Christ came to suffer. And he really did give his life on the cross for the sins of the world. He took our place as our substitute. And all those Old Testament sacrifices constantly proclaimed that. It always would require a substitute. Something would have to take your place because you couldn't make that payment and live. And Jesus the Lamb of God who made the ultimate sacrifice as our substitute took our place and suffered the punishment that each and every one of us deserved because of our sins. So when we say repent, we're not just simply saying have sorrow over sin and stop there. Repentance is also trusting in the forgiveness that your Savior has won for you. In fact, that is the goal of repentance. Peter puts it this way. Repent, he says here. And repent and return to have your sins wiped out. And then he goes on to explain that there's two kinds of blessings. One is so that refreshing times may come from the presence of the Lord. And what comes from the presence of the Lord? Well, his sacrifice, paying for our sins, means means he won for us the forgiveness of sins. That is what our souls yearn for. That's what refreshes our souls. It is that peace that we have of God, not no longer being an enemy of God, but one who is reconciled. And through faith in him, your sins are forgiven, not because you said you were sorry, but because of God's grace and mercy. That when you come and confess your sins, he invites you to believe in forgiveness. He doesn't want you to have doubts. He doesn't want you to wait. He wants you to know it now. That in Christ Jesus, you are saved. Because you are forgiven. And the other blessing? That he may send Jesus the Christ appointed to you. And then goes on to describe that that very Savior will come again. When he ascended into heaven, heaven had to receive him because the work was complete. He was victorious. He had all authority because he is the Christ. And with all authority, he gave the promise that he would come again on the last day with the holy angels. Not only would we have the forgiveness of sins, but with Jesus' death on the cross, the promise of heaven itself. For on the last day, he will take us and all believers to heaven forever. Remember the new heavens and new earth, that home of righteousness. 
So just think, Jesus is a prophet. He's called a prophet. But he's a prophet like no other. Because all the other prophets always spoke of the Messiah, the Christ who was to come. But he's actually a prophet that announces that the Christ has come and he's the object and the fulfillment of all those prophecies. And not only that, but he fulfilled the beautiful prophecy that was given to Moses himself. Moses was told this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet from your brothers who is like me. Listen to everything he tells you. A prophet who would come from the brothers, so he would be born a Jew. But he would be like Moses. He would be a prophet who would lead his people. But unlike Moses, he wouldn't be leading his people simply out of the land of slavery. He would be the one to pay for the sins of those under the slavery of sin. He wouldn't be one to simply lead you to the land of Canaan, the promised land. He would be the one who won for you and will welcome you into the glories of heaven forever. Yes, he is a prophet. He is the prophet, the great prophet, who was foretold of old. All the prophecies of Jesus are fulfilled in Jesus. And one could argue, well, but his name never occurs in the Old Testament. But he fulfilled all those prophecies, even who he was and what he would do and where he would be born and that he would be even be born of a virgin. All of that fulfilled in Jesus. Once again, think of them like fingerprints and they match Jesus perfectly. So when we come to celebrate Christmas, we're worshiping the right Savior. We have the right Christ. And when we gather together, we're not simply gathering together to celebrate his birthday. We're gathering together to give thanks to God for keeping his promise and sending the Savior that we all badly need. And that is the prophet foretold of old. Because of this, it is a Merry Christmas. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.